Welcome to the Fabulous 413. I'm Khalees Smith. And I'm Monty Belmonte. Later in the show, celebrating the music and influence of Django Reinhardt with Jack Soroff, Evan Arntzen, and Andrew Lawrence from Django in June, happening the 12th through 18th in Northampton. And we'll enter the Tina Turner Memorial Wine Thunderdome with the wine snobs at State Street in Northampton and taste rosé and ceviche. But first... 38 counts of crimes, 31 separate counts of willful retention of national defense information under the Espionage Act. You'll get plenty of that on All Things Considered, so we're going to ignore it because tomorrow is Franklin County Pride. And that is just way more fun, so let's talk about that, especially since we have folks from their board here. Joining us are Heather Mahoney, Jake Crane, and Casey Dean from Franklin County Pride. Thank you for coming on and talking about your stuff happening this weekend. Hey, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, we're excited to have you. So the big event with most prides is the parade, and that parade is tomorrow at noon. Where does it begin? So the parade begins at Sanderson Street and Federal Street, right by the Greenfield Middle School. And we will march down Federal Street towards Maine. We'll make a right down Main Street and then a left down Mile Street right to Energy Park where it'll finish with a rally. Nice. Very cool. And then after the rally, if you're still milling about in Greenfield, <laughs> what else do you do? Oh, absolutely. We have a ton of businesses that will be not only selling pride goods, but a host of businesses hold, holding pride events all weekend, including 10 Forward, Hawks and Reed, Four Phantoms. And um, I think that covers the big ones. The Garden yeah. Cinema. The, that, that is even true. pre-parade, there's an That's event true. at the Garden Cinema, The Garden right? Cinema tomorrow is having a free showing of Luca at 10 a.m. before the parade. Luca, Disney movie, yep. Disney Pixar movie. Yep. Yes. Um, a not very thinly veiled gay love story yes, in Italy. So these, yes. I, I believe so. If you, yeah. if you as an Italian-American with a very gay child, um, yes. if I, when I watch that movie, it's like the waterworks yeah. come on. And a lot of water yes. takes place in that particular movie. Luca as well. It's a mermaid yeah. oriented. And the, and the yeah. garden has been very... Very kind to us this year. We actually had a showing of But I'm a Cheerleader. Oh, yeah. Um, we also love that movie. Last yes. night oh, at nice. the Garden. So the Garden is a great uh, alley to us. Nice. We're speaking with the organizers of Franklin County Pride, which has all sorts of events and their big parade tomorrow at noon. Tell us a little bit of the history of Franklin County Pride. It's not, you know, like Northampton has been doing Pride since the 80s. It started as we had, you know, back in May. We had some of the people that were at mm-hmm. that first rally where people had to march with bags on their heads because they were afraid of being outed and losing their jobs. But that is not the history, which is a more recent history of Franklin County Pride, right? Yeah, that's correct. So in 2016, after Trump got elected, a, a group of people in Greenfield uh, Greenfield were, were not happy and wanted to protest that. And so there was an unofficial pride where they marched down the streets in Greenfield. Heather, I believe you were a part of that first march yes. uh, on the sidewalk. Yeah, on the sidewalk. And that, that was in 2016. And then the following year, they became official and it became a 501c3 and, um, you know, got the permits from the town of Greenfield to be able to march down the streets. And so this will be our seventh official year having the parade and rally. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Slash happy birthday. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think we'll take both it. count. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, no. <laughs> Who are some of the organizations that will be part of the march itself? So, yeah, we have over 55 groups marching tomorrow. 
We have a bunch of schools, like the Greenfield Middle Schools, the Mohawk Regional uh, School District, Leverett Elementary, Deerfield. We have uh, Congressman Jim McGovern's going to be walking, Senator Joe Comerford, Representative Whips, Representative Blay. We have uh, lots of businesses, Greenfield Savings Bank and the Greenfield Cooperative Bank, with our, which are both champion sponsors, which is fantastic. PV Squared, uh, Tapestry Health, yeah, exactly. CHD, mm-hmm. DSF, Big Brothers, Big Sisters. I, I, I could, I could go. I real pickles. <laughs> I will, I will not list all fifty-five plus uh, organizations, but it, it really handy queers. Um, Mm-hmm. Roller babies. I mean, it really is a wonderful, diverse mix of everybody in our community, businesses, nonprofits, community groups, um, legislative leaders. Uh, the mayor of Greenfield will be there, of course, um, city council members. So we feel really I mean, the community is really, really showing up and we feel that enough name dropping. Let's talk about where <laughs> and when you can dance. Yeah. <laughs> Which for me, honestly, is like the most important and the the most uplifting part of Pride. It's the part that I actually look forward to because I'm a bad bisexual and not that into walking in parades. <laughs> That's fair. But I'll come for the dancing. <laughs> so our rally, we call it a rally. And the rally actually is the entertainment part of our of our lineup. So we have our headliner, Zoe Lewis, who's, who is performs in Provincetown all summer. Great energy, has performed with Indigo Girls and is just a great performer. Um, we also have the B52.0s playing, and they, again, have great energy coming. Um, we have two drag queens. We have Box of Vine and Miss October, who also are grand marshals of our parade um, because... Um, because we're we're not banning drag. Yeah. Well, tell us about it. Tell us about why Bringing they were here. why they're the grand marshals. What what their story is. Uh, we pick them as the grand marshals because of the legislation that's come down throughout the country this past year on drag, and we thought we needed to raise them up, and um, make them our grand marshals because they are the backbone of our community and have been for our entire community. So we decided that the drag queens will be our grand marshals. And both of them are pretty fantastic. They've yes, been in the drag are. scene for ages. I remember one of the first appearances of October Melee, and she was amazing. Yes. Did this yes. act as him from the Powerpuff Girls? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a look on everybody's faces here that just went, ooh. And like, That's the look that you should yeah. have, too. It's absolutely fantastic. Yes. If you're lucky, you'll get to see her do it again at some point. But, like, yes. seriously, knocked all of our socks off. Yeah. We're speaking with Heather Mahoney, Jake Crane, and Casey Dean from Franklin County Pride, which is mostly tomorrow with the movie at the Garden Cinema at 10 and then the parade at noon. And then, you know, along with what Khalees was saying, there are more opportunities to dance after the rally at some of the businesses right around in downtown. There's all sorts of fun stuff happening at Hawks and Reed. Anybody want to jump in and talk about what will be happening at Hawks and Reed? Sure. So Hawks and Reed will have a queer prom. They'll also have a tea dance before that. And then I believe they'll have a comedy show later that evening as well. Mm -hmm. And then 10 Forward is having a circus event later that evening. So definitely worth checking them out as a queer owned business. They'll also be hosting trivia on Sunday. Um, And then Four Phantoms is hosting drag trivia on Saturday night. 
which is always a great time. They do that every other month. The drag trivia there is under a specific theme, I believe, is it? Yes. So this theme uh, is Bob's Burgers, and they'll have Patch Burger <laughs> foods there as well. So they really brought it together. Patch Burgers, sometimes yes. at Brick and Feather, uh, yes. across the river yes. where I live in my neighborhood, um, make excellent burgers. Bob's Burgers, of course, the uh, animated television show starring <laughs> Eugene Merman, who has uh, connections to the 413 as a Hampshire grad. Oh. So, like, not to take away from this weekend, but what are some other things that Franklin County Pride does in other parts, other times of the year? Because it can't all be June, right? Yeah. So I really appreciate you asking that question. Our goal is try to create space for community as much as possible. We are um, a totally volunteer-run committee. And so our first goal was let's make Pride happen. And then after that, try to make other uh, events happen as much as possible and promote other events that are happening that others are putting on that we we can promote. So things like drag bingo that happens at Hawks and Reed and the tea dance and drag trivia, any uh, anything that Bloom Local puts on near Northampton and Trans Health, all of those organizations, it's our goal to just support that and and be another avenue where people if they see it on our social media are like oh cool this other you know queer event is happening that i can go to um that that's our goal and the, the more we can spread that the better and full disclosure i do sometimes dj the tea dances <laughs> yeah. I, i've been to one of one of the dances you i hope DJ you weren't that. disappointed i was not <laughs> I was actually going to ask that. What is it? For those who don't know, what's a tea dance? I mean, people know what a prom is. So a queer prom, I think, makes sense to be get anybody who wants to come and be who they want to be is at the prom. But what's a tea dance? So the history of tea dances, it happens at time that you have tea. And it is uh, usually about 3 o'clock. And it's really just um, dancing and high energy and... Um, from three to six usually, and that's why it's called a tea dance. I think historically it was that no one would suspect you were meeting up oh, with your right. girlfriend yeah. if you went to tea because yeah. they were expecting you to go to tea with the other ladies around. And so you basically had the cover of like a, a little obfuscation so that you could actually go and hang out with, you know, your your real partner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We're speaking with some of the organizers of Franklin County Pride, which is mostly tomorrow and mostly in Greenfield. Heather Mahoney, Jake Crane and Casey Dean. When I moved to Western Mass 20 plus years ago, Northampton was known as very, very progressive. Greenfield, not so much. Franklin County, even writ large, not so much. Do you feel like that you are largely supported by the Greenfield community or do you experience some of the pushback that other drag uh, or events and other queer communities are experiencing uh, elsewhere in the country? I would say that um, we are being overwhelmingly supported this year, especially this year. But in the past several years, I'm also a transplant to Greenfield and I have felt welcome since I came to Greenfield. I have not felt any pushback. I think it's a welcoming community. Our businesses are really supporting us this year. People are decorating their windows. People's Pint has big rainbows on their window <laughs> for Pride this year. So I feel like we are we are being supported. I agree. And I think 
we actually more so than we were even expecting this year. We've a little bit, like like Heather said, overwhelmed really with the number of groups and businesses that are reaching out, wondering how they can support us in any way possible, which is wonderful. And so then with that support, you know, we have what we'll have this year, but that means we can look how we can, how can we expand and partner to really expand our reach and the types of events that we do throughout the year with that level of support. And I would say any level of pushback has been fairly small and on social media and quickly drowned out. Lovely. That's (laughs) the best way to have it happen. Not to look past the thing that's about to happen, because, I mean, that's that's taking up a lot of your worldview right now. But what are some things that you'd like to bring to Pride in, like, the next couple of years, the next few iterations thereof? Definitely. You know, we know that the Pride event has, you know, it's in Greenfield, which is somewhat in the center of Franklin County. But we are Franklin County Pride, and we do take that very much to heart. It also happened with our redesign uh, this year to really incorporate the full county. I love so, the logo. It is a, an outline of the county with the – oh, there it is right there. Yes, yes. and uh, with that the was done by flag. Warped Whimsy, um, a queer-owned uh, partner of one of our committee members. And these shirts, our merch this year was printed by Dead Eye Prints, uh, another local queer-owned business. So – great partners. Um, But yeah, I think knowing what the support level that we have, we'd really like to expand and do events and not even just like great to have celebratory events, but I even think opportunities for people just to come together and recognize that community is here for them if they maybe don't know that we're here yet. Maybe um, more health or education opportunities for people that maybe feel like they haven't been able to feel welcome in spaces I think that's where we'd really like to expand and then expand involvement, get more people involved. And I know Heather has a little bit of a dream down the road as well. <laughs> I, do, I do have a little Tell us your dream. Tell us your dream. My, my, my dream is to actually have like a uh, Franklin County Pride LGBTQ center in Greenfield where we can provide all kinds of um, support groups and education and just really have that be kind of a hub for LGBTQ um, services in the area in Franklin County. <laughs> because like I said, I am imagining that there it might still be a little bit harder to be who you are in Greenfield than it might be in other places, uh, in even in the Happy Valley, as they, <laughs> they like to call it. But I think what has been happening is inspirational and seeing all the things that will be happening this weekend is inspirational. I'm going to give a rundown one more time of all the events happening okay. from the Franklin County Pride Parade. 10 a.m., Luca, the Disney movie, Italian and very thinly veiled queer. Yep. The parade is at free, noon. It's free. And it's free at yes. the uh, at the Garden Cinema. Franklin County Pride Parade and Rally. That'll end at the Energy Park, but go down Federal and Main Street. Drag Trivia, Bob's Burgers, Four Phantoms on Saturday at 6.30 at night. The Pride Circus, 7 at 10 forward. A queer prom at 7.30 with the former members of what cheer brigade? Is that true? Yes, yes. that's right. Yes. They, they are, are so much fun. So much fun. <laughs> I will so tell you my fun. experience yeah. with them off the air that I can't tell you on, on the air. Tri- I played a show with them. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Pride <laughs> Trivia Night at 10 forward at 6.45 on Sunday. Yes. Uh, the ladies at a gay girls bar. Is that happening at 10 forward? Uh, that's a, that's a, a week away. Yeah. So yes. more events for Pride happening. Yes. Check out their, their website for more information. Right. And speaking forward. of, like, if people are really inspired by this whole thing how do they get more involved with franklin county pride yeah so to to get more involved with franklin county pride you can volunteer day of help us you know it takes many hands to put this together if you are interested in the planning that goes on 
you know, we're a, a small crew and we need to get bigger to be able to accommodate how fast this is growing. So that's another way is you can consider being on the planning side of things. You can donate. It takes um, resources to get the permits, to pay the performers. Everyone in the rally is paid to perform um, the medical, all of that. And, and so donating is, is really helpful as well. And those are some really uh, concrete ways that you can get involved. And, and you can absolutely sign up. Uh, you can sign up for our newsletter. Um, Jake does a really great job with the newsletter. You can sign up online. You can reach out to us through social media. Heather and I both run our social media accounts, and we're very active and responsive. If you send us a message, we will respond. You can also just reach out to us via email, and we're always appreciative. You know, we do our best to respond to everyone as quickly as we can. And the email is franklincountypride uh, at gmail, and our socials are franklincountypride. Facebook and Instagram. Instagram. Yep. And you can go to the website, franklincountypride.org. Yep. Heather yes. Mahoney, Jake Crane, and Casey Dean from Franklin County Pride, which is this weekend and beyond. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much, much for, for having, having us, us on. Oh. We really appreciate it. We really do. This yeah. is the sound of the What Cheer Brigade going on. So yeah. You get an idea of how great this is going to be at the prom. Later this hour for Live Music Friday, we'll celebrate the music and legacy of Django Reinhardt from some of the folks who are part of Django in June, happening next week in Northampton. But up next, Rosé and Ceviche in the Wine Thunderdome. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. The Fabulous 413 podcast is funded by Northeast Solar, homegrown in Hatfield, Massachusetts, and providing energy savings for their customers for over 10 years. Learn more at northeast-solar.com. You did a show about canned wine. State Street wine snobs don't like the canned wine. No. No. It's late. It's late also. <laughs> We've got real Thunderdome action going on now. Because I really believe that wine, like here we all are having this communal experience. We're having fun. We're having food. We're having wine. And I do believe that you can do that with wine on the beach. I don't think that you need to like, there's my wine on the beach. Like, you know, like, I don't know, drink a beer, drink something else. I think there's like this experiential quality to wine. And maybe that's because I'm, I'm a wine snob. I don't know. But like, I, I know. I just don't think every cocktail belongs in every environment. Wine son, I thought we might be tasting California wines in years where the wildfires were terrible because we've been all tasting what that tastes like in the air over the last couple days. But that is not what we're doing here in the wine bunker deep below State Street Fruit Store Deli Wines and Spirits in the what we are now calling officially Tina Turner Memorial Wine Thunderdome. Your idea in the first place. <laughs> the wine thunderdome, yes. Thank you, sir. Uh, yeah, no, it has been horrifically smoky in the air, hasn't it? Yes, and, it has. uh, you can totally see why people were worried that it would affect the wine country these last five years, that we've had massive wildfires all across wine country. But, and it does affect it, and sometimes it makes it into the flavor and taste of grapes. It does. It, I don't find that I've seen that much affected wine, and I kind of like smoky red wines so i guess maybe i'm uh yeah i'm not that worried about it if but you like that is it gonna improve california <laughs> i don't know if it's you funny. miss that flavor in the air go have a zinfandel we were, right uh, <laughs> we were this close to doing like a barbecue red segment with you this week uh and then the yankee sippa was like we're really just entering like prime rosé season when's the next chance we're gonna have to do rosé and i was like well i guess we could say the same thing about the grilling reds but let's do rosé. The Yankee Sipper really wanted to drink rosé, so that's <laughs> really the motivation. My dad would say that we have until Labor Day to drink the grilling reds. I keep my grill out year-round. Yeah. yeah, the wine mother who yeah. taught me everything I know down here would grill all year long. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Just shovel a spot. <laughs>
Don't I be such a baby. So we are going to taste some rosé, but you have gone once again above and beyond here at the wine bunker at State Street. What have you prepared for us? Wine yeah. I think uh, the staff and every customer that walked in here about an hour ago was wondering exactly the same thing. What is this guy doing? I was making ceviche at the tasting station upstairs. Yes! <laughs> and not sharing. Yeah, that's even better. Tell us your ceviche recipe. Uh, so this is the first time I've ever made it. Uh, so we're kind of guinea pigging here, but Oh, I, oh, so there's guinea pig in oh, it? I love that's my favorite fish. type I of... I love guinea yeah. pigging with raw fish. It's cooked I in lime juice. Me. Yeah, we've got bay scallops, we've got swordfish, we've got Roma tomatoes, we've got cucumber, we've got red onion, cilantro, and lime juice. Mm-hmm. And we're going to serve it on a baguette instead of crackers. Because we stylish. The point is, the ceviche should pair very well with both of these rosé wines. So what's the first one? Ooh, That's a great should, question. What should we do first? What we have, I'll tell you that part first. Is uh, failure to communicate. <laughs> Some men you just can't reach. Yeah. And you get what we had here. Last week, which is the way he wants it. Well, he gets it. Do you know that from the movie or from Guns N' Roses? Or both? From the movie. Yeah, see, I know it more cool from Guns N' Roses. Some men you just can't reach. Yeah. I say this. No man can eat 40 eggs. Uh, sorry. So, uh, famous Roan Ranger from... California. Uh, Meaning he makes wine in a Rhone style, but yeah, in California. That's exactly right. Uh, in this okay. case, we have a wine called the Language of Yes, Le Fru Rouge. Because doesn't the Language of Yes, Languedoc, yeah. is that not the the English translation of Languedoc, the Language of Yes? Is that? I don't know. This is what the wine uncle used to say all the time. That's where he's coming from. This is a very interesting blend of Cinso, Grenache, and a rarely used grape of Tiburon. Tiburon means shark in Spanish. Yeah. Is, that me? is there shark in your ceviche? Swordfish. I told you. Swordfish is, is adjacent. Uh, if I eat this and then I go to the Cape this weekend, am I going to be in danger because the shark will smell itself on me? Yes. I'll be careful. A girl can dream. This one here is Perosol La Croix Mediterranean Rosé. And these folks have a similar tie in as the old uh, Commanderie de la Bargemont. There's some Templar. Oh, yeah, we talked about that with Michael Quinlan last week about the Illuminati wines. Oh, yeah, nice. So this is totally related to the Illuminati wines. So if I drink this wine, do I have to look out for the Illuminati because they'll smell it on me? They're after you. Again, the only one who's ever been a part of an active cease and desist from them is me. 17 pages, everybody. <laughs> they were very thorough. <laughs> so this is made with organic grapes. The French one is. Randall Graham's, this is also organic. It is. Yeah, Fantastic. He was a huge proponent. Um, he is a huge proponent of organic. He's one of the earliest organic farmers there. Um, farmer, because the winemaker is a farmer. And he started out wanting to make... Pinot Noir, but didn't do very well because he was in Central Coast. That's why he became the Rhone Ranger, because he really tried to promote um, all these Southern France grapes. Um, and also, if you go to, what, the 1986, 1989, one of those covers of the Wine Spectator, he's literally wearing a Lone Ranger outfit. The Lone Ranger! And they titled him the Roan Ranger. Does ah. he look good in it, or does no, he just look uncomfortable it looks, and weird? He looks uncomfortable. He looks uncomfortable weird anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean that pretty much describes yeah. him anyway. But he, uh, he makes great wine. Yeah, he, does. he looks like someone you might be seeing like sitting at the Haymarket on any given afternoon. <laughs> in the costume or out of the costume? Maybe. It really doesn't matter. Okay. I mean, I saw a person riding a bike around Northampton yesterday in like a Batman mask. Yeah. So I was like, welcome. What are you? I'm Batman. 
everyone is in a costume at this point. I don't know anyone who wears real Did you see him yesterday? Yeah, I did. I like Mr. Rogers, so that's my costume. Aw, I love Mr. Rogers. Me too. Have you by any chance lost your kitty? Modeled the whole show on him. Randall Graham, also famous for trying to get rid of the cork, right? Didn't he famously hold a funeral for the cork? Yes, you're exactly right. Yeah, he's one of the first self-enclosures. Self-enclosure is wine snobbery for screw cap. Yeah. But if you go say, I'd like one of your self-enclosure wines, people will be like, okay, here's your screw cap. I think we should taste this one first. The California? The California one first. I think it's going to be less acidic than the second one. But that is a total guess. Because Goodbye forever, Cap. I that was the, the skeleton closure. That means we have to finish this. <laughs> oh, darn. Our legs are so hard. It's got a surprising end on its nose. It also smells very French. And for a California wine. Just, somebody just patted themselves on the back in California just then. <laughs> that'll do. Yeah. Wine farmer, yeah. that'll do. That'll do, pig. That'll do. I love that movie. Ooh, this, I like this. I would totally believe this was a Provence rosé. It's got... What to me is somewhere between like a fleshy peach oh. and a human being. Are we gonna eat the ceviche or what? Damn right we are. <laughs> it's not just for looking at Monty, but we gotta it, drink the. It wine does look first. gorgeous. So grenache, you get that that strawberry, and it might be the rhubarb. Yeah, the yeah, rhubarb. The rhubarb. Strawberry. Yeah, Cinso is like classic cherry. You get that kind of cherry note, and then the tiburon. I think it was is giving the that earthy, um, sort of savory quality. It'll go great with ceviche to go with Even though I had the largest glass, I finished mine before I got to the ceviche. Yes, which is why I have a little bit Yeah, we got to put more in. It's so nice to be not the fastest drinker, because I'm always the fastest drinker (laughs) in any circumstance. In the West. Yeah, I'm the fastest drinker. Just like the Roan Ranger. He's not the only Roan Ranger now. Now it's a a group of other winemakers, and I think actually they started doing things more terroir-based. There are Roan Rangers in the other Western states. And I believe they do nonprofit things as well. So it might be, cool. you know, it might be worth looking into if you <clears throat> like your wines with a little bit of culture or a little bit of a good a, feel. A little more ethics a in your wine. Ethics. These Roan Rangers got rid of the racist sidekick. <laughs> oh, we can hope. And they're looking oh for a new gosh, moniker that's maybe I a little know. less fraught. Yeah, like I <laughs> Maybe just... a little. It's okay to call someone Tonto. And then let... not mean it any later. And then let Johnny Depp play him. Oh, God. Ah. I'm getting ceviche all over the place. I'm yeah, trying to hold a recorder. It's smell like low tide in here. Too. I'm going to eat it off the floor. I'm so glad that I read that article that said ceviche would go with this wine so well. It really because does. It is. You know, it's so great. The creaminess of the scallops with the creaminess of this wine. Mm-hmm. Bay scallops, which are sweeter than sea scallops. Like, get on it, people. If you've been sleeping on bay scallops just in general, like, don't. They're creamier. They're sweeter. This and I think they're less endangered than the big, they are. The big ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're way more sustainable. Am I the only one that says scallops here? Yes. I say scallop. Okay, never You mind. just said scallop, though. Did I say scallop? Yeah. That's my mother. <laughs> but we are going to launch into wine number two, Rosé. Okay. Wine Thunderdome. State Street. Ah, it's nice. Little minerally, little salty oh, yeah. smell in. There are some interesting similarities on the nose, but there is clearly a nice backbone of minerality to this wine that may have been missing from the other. This one is way more subtle. It doesn't mm. have that fleshy peach thing going on. Mm-hmm. But I like it a lot. This but one's it, got a little funk. Dope. This oh, is classic Provence. I mean, come on. Going back to the ceviche. This like, is a hard choice with these wines. I feel like this is going to end up being another food divide for me with the wines and the food. I like one better with the ceviche, and I like one better alone. It's interesting to me because the ceviche combined with the California language of yes rosé 
actually made the wine more finessed and more focused. Whereas with the Provencal rosé, it is fleshing it out more. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's having the exact opposite effect on the two different wines. It's kind of fascinating. So you're saying that your food is the winner twice. <laughs> like, you got to stop I mean, doing this. I what think the food is the winner. Pretty well. I, know, I, I do love the ceviche. Literally the first time here, I've ever made for the wine. You did it well. <laughs> but your food keeps winning. I think, this is weird for me, but I think that the Provence, which is my favorite place for most rosés, this one's pretty mellow, and I think the ceviche mellows it even more. Mm. Can you believe in all the years that we've talked about rosé from Provence, and we've I don't know that you've ever used a cut of Pink Floyd Saint-Tropez. Should I rectify that right now? Yeah, maybe so. As I reach for a peach, slide a ride down behind a silver in Saint-Tropez. Okay. I'm I glad. don't want to choose. I don't want to I choose. I have to go back to the first one. Before we vote, Khalees, Khalees, come look at this. I just want to show you. There's legit a wall of shame right here. These are, oh! these are all the canned wines and cocktails that have been pitched okay. to the wine. Oh, oh bare, oh jeez. Like there are, there are a lot this, of, there's a lot of bad stuff here. So I would say that everything that is on this shelf absolutely deserves to be here. No, I'm not taking a picture, people. I'm not. There is nothing on this shelf that I disagree with. Belonging on a shelf yes, of on shame. The, on a shelf of shame. A wall of shame. Okay. Witnessed. That's how adamantly we are against. I would like to point out also, by the way, one of those items on that shelf is still sealed, but if you pick it up, you'll find that it's completely empty. That's because the acidity of the wine, despite the new and advanced liners of cans, still ate through that can and leaked out over my shelf. Wow. Drink it fast, people. It's not safe. All right, let's talk about wine that comes in a beautiful bottle from beautiful places. We're going to vote. Yes, well, you said you already decided, though. You said you were going to go first. Yeah, well, I undecided, I think. You undecided? I thought for sure, at first, with the ceviche, I liked the ceviche better with the California. As a wine, I go back to my mm, the place that I love rosé from, which is Provence, the French Peresol Lacroix. That is my vote for the wine. I feel, and I didn't want to feel this way because this California rosé is absolutely beautiful. For, for me, as a rosé, it's a little too lush. Even though it paired well with the rosé, I mean with the ceviche, it kind of, the ceviche kind of overpowered it a little bit and it took away from the wine. So I think the wine on its own and the wine with the ceviche, I'm going to have to go with the French. Two votes for the French wine. I actually like the softness of the California, which is saying something for me because I don't really like that region very much. I like that one on its own, but with the ceviche... The province, the provincial one, yeah. like, is just stellar, and so I think that's pretty powerful. So I might just say the provincial one overall because it has that lasting power. Wow, I didn't think that was where that boat was going, but now it's three for Provence. I always uh, go with old world over new world, but today, regardless of food and pairings and everything else, I think we've definitely proven that food and wine together make for a, a better experience. Mm-hmm. Just like people and wine together make for a better experience. Aww. But not people as food and wine together. And let the darkness set us free. Watch Yellow Jackets, And wine and cans don't make for a good experience. I'm going to stand on my own little island and for once actually pick a California wine. I actually am in love with the language of yes. Well, Aww. Aww. That's a beautiful, beautiful sentence. Well, that's also, also the name of the wine. You definitely, now you've done it twice. Taking the cake, oh, food-wise. It's, it's coming. Bring it. We set the bar and we will continue to do so. <laughs> Be it at the bar or at home or right here in the Thunderdome. Oh, yes. We don't need another pino. <laughs> oh. 
One day I will re-record that and stop regretting. You sound great. Uh, yeah, okay. Coming up, it's Live Music Friday, and something that will sound much better than me warbling over karaoke <laughs> tracks to <laughs> Tina Turner, celebrating the music and influence of Django Reinhardt with Jack Soroff, Evan Arnson, and Andrew Lawrence from Django in June happening next week in Northampton. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. Welcome back to The Fabulous 413. I'm Monty Belmonte. I'm Khalees Smith. Next weekend, Django in June at the Academy of Music, Friday and Saturday, there are performances, but Django in June is much more than just the performances. It is something that was created by Andrew Lawrence, who joins us in the studio, as does Jack Soroff and Evan Arnson. Jack Soroff is on the guitar, and Evan Arnson is on the clarinet. And before we get dive into uh, what Django, who Django was, why we're celebrating him in Northampton... Let's hear a song for this Live Music Friday. Jack Soroff and Evan Arnson 
What was that song, Jack? That was called Jangology. Uh huh. Is that an original? Uh, it's a original of Django's. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so we keep saying Django in June, and we're welcoming for Live Music Friday the folks from Django in June, including the founder and event organizer, Andrew Lawrence. If you're somebody who doesn't know who Django Reinhardt is, who is Django Reinhardt, and why are we continuing to celebrate him musically in Northampton? Django Reinhardt is a musician who lived primarily in France uh, from 1910 to 1953. And there are just all kinds of interesting things about his life story and his music, which caused it to really catch on with a lot of people. And he created a very distinctive, or he launched unwittingly with Stefan Grappelli, uh, a whole musical tradition that carries on today. And that musical tradition has, I think, a complicated uh, name, at least at this point, where it's <laughs> often referred to by a term that people, the Romani people, the Roma people, no longer prefer which is gypsy, and gypsy jazz is often thrown around. And I'm saying this only for educational purposes. I don't mean it to be a slur, uh, but hot club jazz or, or hot jazz, other ways that this type of music is now referred, right? Right. Gypsy jazz is really just a, a translation of the best American translation we could come up with for, not not me personally, but somebody came up with for the way the music was referred to for a long time in France, which is jazz manouche. Uh-huh. But manouche is not... Gypsy is very general. Manouche is more specific. Sinti is more specific. Mm. So there are these different uh, 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 groups of what we would consider gypsies. And I've actually asked all of them who've passed through Django in June, do you mind the term gypsy? And they all say no. So I think there might be a difference between the Western European gypsies and the Eastern European gypsies. And I've asked them, would you would you like to be called Roma? And they say, oh, absolutely not. We're not Roma. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> like I said, it's complicated. We're Sinti. Yes. We're Manouche. Yeah, we're are whatever. certain yeah. people that like Native Americans. Some people prefer Indian, right. or they probably all just prefer to be called the people that they are from. Exactly. But right. all that being said, the sound of the music is super engaging. I could barely keep still. And talk a little bit about um, the instrumentation that's traditionally associated with this type of music, the different instruments used. Originally, uh, Django and Stefan Grappelli started started just jamming backstage at jazz gigs. That's how it started. So I think that was probably the the original instrumentation, or it probably wasn't. I don't know that those were jazz gigs at the time. And they were on guitar and, and violin. And violin. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but the the classic formation early on was a quintet. So that was with two rhythm guitarists, a lead guitarist, and a violin. And then later clarinet came on board and then Django ended up playing with all kinds of of musicians including visiting jazz musicians from the states bringer Wow. <laughs> Bigger ensembles is what I was trying to say and failing. What are some for I'm the style is pretty easy to recognize but what are some things that make this like Django style like gypsy style jazz? I am so glad you asked that question cuz that's how this event started. I, I teach guitar for a living, and I was thinking, oh, well, I'll teach some Django tunes in my class, and I wanted to learn more about the style. So I went to France, and I went to one of the big Django Reinhardt festivals there in a place called Samoa, and I walked into the campgrounds where people were playing, and I just could not believe what a distinctive style it was. It was like, wow, we do not play this way. <laughs> we're on the radio right now, so people can't see how odd Jack's guitar is. But this is a different kind of guitar. Yeah, the bridge on it is crazy. Like And the headstock is crazy too. Well I mean it's a classic it's a classical 
headstock, which means you've got holes and probably nylon strings, but that doesn't usually have a float, almost a floating bridge like there is on the body of your guitar. Which it is, is a, it is a floating bridge. Yeah. So, this was actually made in Worcester, Massachusetts, the exotic Ooh. land of Worcester, Massachusetts. <laughs> um, Just outside the 413. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it is a, a copy it's sort of a tribute to lots of the different Franco-Sicilian luthiers that were in France at the time. And they made these guitars that are sort of halfway between a classical guitar and halfway between an American jazz guitar. And um, they have sort of a special sound all of their own. Mm -hmm. Under the hood, it's built almost more like a mandolin. Hmm. Maybe you can hear. Yeah. Like some of the trebliness of it, mm -hmm. like seems mm -hmm. a lot more mandolin-like. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We, I was watching our director, Tony Dunn, who is a guitar player himself, while you were shredding, Jack, <laughs> for lack of a, a better Django-appropriate term. You can cover a multitude of ills with an electric guitar and distortion when it comes to playing fast, but when you're playing on a nylon string guitar like that, it's all you, and it was, it was gorgeous to witness. So just to mention a couple other things, when I'm, here I am looking at what people are doing in this campground as a guitarist, and I'm looking at their left hand, and I'm seeing the chord shapes they're using, and I'm saying... We don't do that. And I'm looking at the right-hand technique that they're using, and I'm saying, we don't play that. And the repertoire was different, and the improvisational vocabulary was, was different. So that was the original idea for Django and June, which is maybe, maybe some North Americans would like to learn to play this music more in the European style. That's what it's really for. And when was that first Django in June? Two Andrew Lawrence, the founder of the event. <laughs> 2000, that was 2004. And that was a time when... Other people were having this idea, so some, some people were starting to make these guitars available in the States. Some good instructional materials were coming available in the States. So it was just a, a right moment, right time kind of, kind of a thing. Well, let's hear another song before we take a break. We'll hear Jack Soroff on the guitar, who's a longtime teacher at Django and June. There's a camp that we'll talk a little bit about, if hopefully we have enough time. And Evan Arnson, <laughs> the clarinetist, saxophonist, vocalist, and educator. What's this song? Uh, this is called Nuage. Another composition of Django's. Thank you. 
Live Music Friday in the Fabulous 413 with Jack Soroff on the guitar and Evan Aronson on the clarinet. They are part of Django in June. There are public performances at the Academy of Music next week, Friday, June 16th, and Saturday, June 17th. We'll also talk with the founder and event organizer. More about the Django camp coming up in just a little bit. After a break, you're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. Welcome back to The Fabulous 413. It's Live Music Friday, and we're celebrating Django Reinhardt. Django in June has now become a pivotal summertime event in Northampton, and public performances will happen next Friday and Saturday at the Academy of Music. And joining us from Django in June is the founder and event organizer, Andrew Lawrence, as well as guitarist Jack Soroff and Evan Arnson, who are playing Evan Arnson on the clarinet, both teachers at Django in June as well, which is also a camp for people that want to learn this music you have been teaching for uh, quite a bit of time, I think, there, Jack, right? Yes, yeah. I've been um, I've been attending Django in June since, I think, 2006. <laughs> and I started teaching, I believe, maybe started helping in 2009. And in, within a couple of years, I was uh, teaching full-time at the camp. Very cool. How many people come and participate in this camp? I mean, it, it varies a little bit year to year, uh, but it's, uh, I don't know, a hundred, over 200 this year. Wow, that's wow. incredible. That's impressive. Yeah. We were talking off air a little bit about how Django's style uh, evolved because he was involved in a terrible accident that took several of his fingers and changed the shape of his chords. So, like, how does that change how you think about chords on a fretboard when you have to have your hand in a certain way. Yes. Yeah, so Django was was uh, caught in a fire. His caravan caught fire and um, he managed to pull his, his wife, who was then pregnant, uh, out of the fire, but he passed out at the door. So the heat from the fire sort of uh, melted or, or shrank the tendons on his pinky and ring finger. So they were sort of pulled back. Um, and he had very big hands and he would use his thumb and he would play these sort of full voicings where he managed to use even the injured fingers. And then he would use his thumb and contort his fingers in all sorts of positions to just play, you know, a good old cowboy C chord. (laughs) Um, but I think his, his, injury and overcoming it and playing all the things he did is an incredible human story but it can almost it's almost like we want some explanation for how this guy was such a genius and it would be nice to think oh there's a radioactive spider that <laughs> yeah but it's almost like the universe said you're too good we're gonna make it more difficult right, for you right right but but he was but the most exciting part of him was really his musical mind before we uh, have to, to end the show, Evan, what is it about the music of Django that inspires you as a clarinetist and a saxophonist and other instruments as well? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there aren't a whole lot of music, of, of horn players who play the music, at least on this side of the pond, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just beautiful music. As a clarinetist, it's nice to not have to uh, compete with a drummer <laughs> or, like, or with amplifiers, you know? Amplifiers are kind of a no-no in Django's music. Yeah, or right. at least, you know, it's nice. It's music that can be, and in my opinion, should be played acoustically. So, um, you know, that's really a, a, an interesting challenge, actually. I have to try to play 
quieter right you know, rather than trying to struggle to be heard which is <laughs> always good well it's perfect music for live music friday here mm-hmm. and how about we have you play us out uh live music friday django in june next friday and saturday public performances at the academy of music jack sorup evan arnson and andrew lawrence thank you all so much we'll do the credits over your music so don't feel you don't you just keep playing <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Next week on the Fabulous 413, Khalees rides alone. Yep, Monty's on vacation, so the mouse will play. But not really. Nope. In fact, we're spending the whole week looking at Juneteenth through a 413 lens. So we'll be chatting with the folks who are organizing events in honor of the holiday, historians on black figures of Western Mass, black nerds because they are my people, and more. I've already got major FOMO. Our director is Tony Knows a Dude with an Excavator Done. Our engineer is Betsy. Kara is not anywhere near ready for you, Lankdo. Our technical team is Bart, has some Green River Festival ideas ranking. Kara, who keeps stealing the chairs, Foster, and punk rude boy Dubay. Thanks to Spouse, Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra, What Cheer Brigade, Guns N' Roses, John William, Carl Orff, The Lone Ranger TV Show, Michael Keaton, Mr. Rogers, The Movie Babe, Bruno Mars, Pink Floyd, Django Reinhardt, and Tina Turner. I'm Monty Belmonte. I'm Police Smith. We'll see you next week on The Fabulous 413. Or at least you will. Yeah, I will.